we're living in a world of filters and Photoshop. And thanks to the constant pull from the smartphone in your pocket, you might be experiencing internet overwhelm, social media fatigue. Is there any relatable women's media out there that actually gives an accurate representation about what it means to be a woman and reminds you of your belovedness and encourages you to be authentic? The world needs more of who women are, not just a long list of expectations of what we should be doing or what our bodies should look like while we're doing it. That and more is what we're diving into today in this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. This is not a podcast where we sit down and talk about the one right way to become a Catholic woman. And this is not a show where I sit down with other women and we share a set of expectations for Catholic women today that leave you feeling out of place or left out. Instead, you're going to find conversations with women in a variety of seasons of life and hear about how they are living out their own unique feminine geniuses. This is all offered as an encouragement for you to discover more about who you are and how you are called to live out that feminine genius too. My name is Chloe Langer and I'm a Catholic wife and mom living in Kansas City. Tonight I'm coming to you from the basement recording studio and Joseph is upstairs. Our daughters are tucked in and worn out after a long day of preschool and library trips and the dog is actually getting into who knows what up there. But it's been a beautifully full day and I love rounding out the night with a good conversation about one of my favorite topics, which is the feminine genius and being able to share those conversations with you through this podcast. So in this episode, I'm sitting down with Mary Rose Somariba. Mary Rose is the editor of Verily Magazine. True to their name, Verily sifts through the noise of the world to elevate what is honest and real and beautiful for the modern woman facilitating her connection with things that matter the most to her through their production of original media and their curation of quality content across the web and in-person events. Mary Rose and I are talking about the mission of Verily, what it's like for them to totally reject Photoshop, and why they're returning to a print magazine, which is a controversial decision in a totally digital world. So if you are exhausted from a constant barrage of media that tells you what the ideal body type is, and you are just ready to be empowered to be more of who you are than sister this episode of the Letters to Women podcast is for you. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Sacred Heart Tea Company. There are so many little traditions that we have here around the Langer house around tea. Joseph and I make mugs of tea as we wind down for the evening after putting the girls down for the night. We're dipping our toes into the homeschooling world this year and one of the rituals that I'm putting into place with the girls is Tea Party Tuesday, which is complete with fairy tales and poems and lots of preschool chatter and sacred heart tea company creates these beautiful loose leaf teas based on the lives of the saints and so not only is it the perfect addition to your evening or your morning routine if you're a morning tea drinker it's also the chance to learn more about the saints and their stories and share those with your family as you're drinking tea together or share them with a friend who you've invited over for tea their tea shop features greens and blacks and herbal teas and caffeine free teas for those evening routines if you do not know where to start, you can check out their Communion of Saints sampler, which features sample sizes of all their teas. Find out more at sacredhearttea.com. Use the code LETTERS, all caps, to get 10% off your purchase at checkout. So sacredhearttea.com with the code LETTERS for 10% off. Today, I'm welcoming Mary Rose Samariba to the podcast. She is an award-winning journalist, editor, and speaker with 15 years of experience in writing and editing. Mary Rose is the editor of Verily Magazine, where she served as the culture editor for more than five years and has written more than 150 articles. Mary Rose received her BA in philosophy from Providence College in 2005 with minors in English writing and French. And she lives with her husband and four children and dog in Cleveland, Ohio. Mary Rose, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Chloe. It's so great to be here with you. 
So tonight we're going to be talking about your work at Verily Magazine and how Verily is really countering media that objectifies women and how the internet is impacting us and our daughters and our families. But to kick off the conversation, especially for listeners who are meeting you for the first time, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Sure. Yeah. I was raised in uh, rural Ohio out in the country, going to a little Catholic school and parish with my family. My um, parents are both Catholic and uh, very prayerful and we'd pray rosaries you know, frequently, and we'd go to mass every Sunday. Um, and I had a very blessed little childhood out there. In the middle school, we moved toward the city of Cleveland. And then high school was in Cleveland, also all still Catholic schools, ultimately went to college, also Catholic school, Providence College in Rhode Island with the Dominicans. I studied philosophy. It was great. Um, I will say while I, I loved, you know, I continued to practice going to mass, um, and I would in debate, I was a debate club. I loved ethical debates and I engaged with my philosophy classmates arguing for the existence of God when I was stunned that even at a Catholic college <laughs> that I had to argue that, but I did, you know, and, um, but at the same time, I personally grappled with how to live out my faith in the modern world as a woman. And I had a college relationship and, and then in my early twenties, I really grew, had a real boost in my faith journey. I turned to Jesus in the Eucharistic adoration in the chapels. Um, it was in DC. Uh, there was a chapel, St. Agnes. And I felt, I felt there when I spent time in front of our Lord that I felt most safe and most understood mm. and most loved. I like very, very thankful for that because it just helped me to stop caring about what others thought of, you know, the breakup or of you know, or even just feeling lonely after a breakup. And it helped me to turn to the only one who really loved me. I mean, I have other people who love me, but it was the most, you know, yep, yep. and um, and then I uh, did also in D.C. My sister lives there um, and I did in journalism internships after college. And I actually met my husband there at the at a Catholic bookstore called the Catholic Information Center, or many call it the CIC. And as Providence had it, I ended up working there many years later and helped facilitate events there where other young adults could meet. So um but I will say, uh, as I live in Cleveland now, and I live right next to a poor Claire's chapel, um, it's, it's really fantastic um, because it not only is it special to just be next to, I feel like, like I live in a French chateau and I have my own personal chapel or something, but I also, um, I St. Claire is my patron. She's, I mean, she's my confirmation saint. So I feel like in a way uh, that she chose me more than I chose her, that she had some plans for me, you know, that God had plans for me to have this special place next to her, um, which is such a gift. And there's a perpetual adoration in that chapel. So it's really special to me um, that along my journey as a Catholic woman, that these other Catholic women like St. Clair have called me back to be close to her and also and to our Lord. And then also in some travels, I, I did minor in French, as you mentioned, I love French uh, language and travel. I've never lived there though. Um, and one of the last, in the last year, I traveled with a friend and started to just really grow an appreciation of St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese, visited Lucia. And just still so impressed by these these women, uh, these just fantastic, inspiring women who, and they continue to accompany me on the journey. So I'm very, very thankful for my upbringing and faith. 
I love how the saints follow you as well. There's St. Clair next door. She knows you. You are the editor-in-chief at Verily Magazine. Can you tell me a little bit about the origin story of Verily? I think many listeners have browsed your website or maybe had a, a physical copy of this magazine, but I would love to hear how it all began and really what sets this apart from other fashion and lifestyle magazines that we have available to us as women today. So many of us know, or many people know Verily as the first magazine not to Photoshop women's faces or bodies, um, because we were covered by LeanIn.org and Queen Latifah and others when we first came out. Uh, But we're also different from other women's magazines in that we never objectify women in image or word. And we truly aim to uplift, empower, and educate in all our content and equip women to be their most authentic selves. A big way that that, uh, we show our mission there is how we've become a nonprofit when we're no longer striving for the most clicks as possible to get ad revenue because it's continuing to be not feasible. And you see in so much other media out there how much they sacrifice in reader experience and in quality of content and attention spans just to get so many ads on the page. So we, we really are refocusing on just trying to create the best content for women and not worry about uh, the clicks as much, um, although we have grown. So let me go back to tell you how we started. Kara Bach and Janet Easter, two Catholic women in New York City, founded Verily Magazine after a brunch conversation on how disappointing women's media was and unrelatable. And then they were inspired to take action. There was a Dove study coming out, I think, at that time that showed that after three minutes of flipping through a woman's magazine, women felt worse about themselves, which is the complete opposite of the goal here. So Janet, and she had some experience on the fashion side. Kara had some business experience. And together, they built Verily Magazine. Um, They hired me uh, around the early days as a part of the team of editors, and I was the culture editor. And we started out as a print magazine in 2012, but shifted to digital a year later. And that was disappointing to some but understandable considering the market conditions. And we really grew our online readership and SEO and social media presence. And after those eight or so years of straight digital content, we grew to half a million visitors a month. So we, even though we aren't striving for clicks like many other places on the web, we found that there was a big thirst for quality women's media. Um, certain editors have come and gone over the years, but the ethos of Verily has stayed the same. And I've, I've, I've just, um, as we became a nonprofit, um, we realized the mission drivenness of our work reveal like was revealed we were meant to be a nonprofit all along. <laughs> like, and now we are best equipped to focus more on how we can help women more than make a non- nonprofit. Um, I think sadly, so many women's magazines are fighting for profit uh, and survival so desperately that they're selling out women. Um, I wrote about this not long ago, like earlier this year in National Review, after seeing so many women's magazines from Cosmo to InStyle to Women's Health to Good Housekeeping even, um, having headlines on celebrities that were so sexualized and mocking in tone that they seem to be prioritizing clickbait and ad revenue more than healthy or good media for women. So Verily stands apart from all those all those other women's media um, outlets and trying to really uplift and empower women. 
from the reader perspective, I've been reading Verily since I was in college, which has been a little bit, but I love how watching your team grow and your the website grow and the magazine now how and how that's accompanied me through so many seasons. I read that when I was starting out a single and like reading perspectives from both women and men when it came to relationships. And now I love articles on motherhood and current events. It's just lovely to see a perspective from women where the emphasis is treating women with respect and dignity. And so I can read about Taylor Swift or whatever happened in politics this week. And it's so wholesome and respects me as a reader and respects me as a woman. And that just doesn't happen very much online anymore. Yeah, I do really feel like those outlets elsewhere and even the internet in general has become treating the reader less like a human and more like a, a click and profit, you know, receptor, like consumer. Yeah, trying to get more like machines. Yes, yes, it's so true. Yep, and especially like in a world where we're seeing the rise of AI and more things are written by machines and then to treat the reader as a machine too, it's like we've lost the humanity and the dignity of the reader and the writer in those situations. So the first issue of Verily dropped in 2012. That's that's more than a decade ago, which is incredible to see the growth here. I'd love to hear from your perspective over the past decade of writing and working with Verily, what's changed, what's stayed the same and how have you grown and, and what have you learned along the way as a writer and an editor? Certain editors have come and gone, but we have the same mission. And part of how we've been able to return to print has been uh, with our small team is thanks to connections we've maintained with writers and editors over the years. And especially in women's media, where ladies will uh, maybe growing their families and step back for a season, uh, but come back later, the variety of contributors ebbs and flows. And it's beautiful to see how God's worked through with the many ladies who've contributed to Verily over the years. Yeah, I think one of the biggest changes is reflected in our move this year to become a nonprofit and focus more on how we can help women. And we are selling a magazine. Yeah, it's for more than the subscription cost is more than perhaps Vogue, where they're filled with ads. And we have some ads, but maybe not enough to to reduce the prices at this time. But right now, it's $60 a year subscription. And so we're trying to build this sustainable uh, nonprofit for, for better women's media out there. I'd love to dive more into going to print because today's world, that just seems so counterintuitive. Like everything, I grocery shop on an app. I pay for my parking in the city on an app, but Verily is going back to a print and a quarterly print magazine this year. Tell me about deciding to go back to print, what that looked like. And then how, how does specifically a print magazine cut through a lot of the noise that we have on social media and a phone screen that it seems that we're almost all addicted to it. Yeah, well, it, I think it made sense back in 2013 to pull back from print, but it also makes sense now in 2023 to return to print in a way, because post-pandemic, we noticed a growth of digital fatigue, problem um, with less interpersonal connection, and in a hunger for holding reading material in one's hands again to getting out and seeing people face to face. And as well, there's also endless data telling us the problems of social media on women and girls. And um, imagery we see online, and, and like I even pointed out regarding like the other women's magazines having clickbaity and hypersexualized content, in addition to the media in general, um, you know these things are affecting girls and women in their image of themselves. And so, even though we're not canceling our Instagram account anytime soon, um, we do see a place for adding a print component again and offering a tangible project, you know, products um, to readers that they can enjoy in person, put on a coffee table in their home, pass to a friend. It can be around when the kids are around and they don't have to hide it, treating the reader like a, a human being, which we really do prioritize. We really do feel like Verily is like a partnership with our readers. We do love when they send us articles and feedback, and we do want to have something that treats our readers like human beings. 
and equips them to be their best selves to continue to make you know impact in their own homes and communities. Verily's motto is is less of who you should be and more of who you are. And I have loved this motto through the years. What are some of the should the false expectations that women are sorting through today that's getting thrown at them from social media and from other women's magazines? And and how does Verily really practically encourage women to authentically live in line with their values and, and who they are as a human being? Yeah, I think some a lot of these unhealthy shoulds that we see in other women's magazines are, you know, just look at the newsstands or or don't, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you how bad they are. Um, but, you know, it's to look a certain way, often, uh, you know, very, you know, hypersexualized. It's to lose weight with fad diets. It's to be a partying extrovert all the time if you want to have a happy life. It's to imitate pornography. It's to compete with your female peers for attention or status. Overwork to break the glass ceiling because of some feminism, you know, <laughs> because feminism <laughs> um, to buy more and more beauty products and services to be worthy. I think there's so many pressures that women experience from every level of their girlhood to adulthood to momhood um, that we do just really do feel that everyone's called to live out their unique calling. So we do really want to equip women to just shed all of those expectations that are unhealthy and that are external to themselves so that they can feel free, uh, reconnect with themselves and to really feel uh, a mo you know, moment where they're treated like a human being, where they can reconnect with their true what they're truly called to do. And actually we, we covered this in a writer's panel we had online and that we also included in our print summer issue right now, which includes some contributors, some barely writers talking about this in particular, Christine Emba, who wrote the book, Rethinking Sex, shared her thoughts on how relationships, um, the shoulds and relationships like to act like you are often today. One of those is to act like you are commitment free and okay with it even if you really do want commitment or up for anything, even when you aren't. Blanca Morales uh, spoke about right, uh, wearing your personal style. And Amanda Jenkins talked about women's health and how she found her own, uh, got in touch with her own body's needs, contrary to what others were telling her. And um, Laura Vanderkam talks about the unique challenges women, many women experience in their time management. So basically there's so many ways in which the distractions are coming at us with so many shoulds. And so Verily really does, we do really try to focus on who you are. And it's, it's sort of a delight for me that Edith Stein's quote um, sort of like in, encapsulates part of that uh, tagline, which I'm not aware if anybody when it was being made was aware of that. But now we really do, like I do really love that. And we share it on a magnet in our shop because that, that line by Edith Stein is like really captures, she says, um, the world doesn't need what women have. The world needs what women are. And that's her quote. And so when it comes back to less of who you should be, more of who you are, that quote just happens to point toward exactly what we're going for. I love with so many articles and different resources that Verily has your presence on social media, this print magazine, where as a reader of the magazine and of online articles, there has always been a push towards a curiosity about myself. Ah, oh, what do I think about that? I'm not sure. Do I agree with that? Do I, what? I've never actually thought about that subject or sat around and, and defined what this aspect of my personal style is or what I think about time management as a mother or all of these aspects. And so I think what I love about as the reader is just, it's never presented and you do this so well, not 
not as this set of expectations where you have to fit into this if you want to be a beautiful woman, a good woman, a etc. Like all these shoulds. Instead, it's who who am I? Who am I? Who is the Lord created me to be? And it's done in such a beautifully holistic way that it's just encouraging this healthy curiosity about who I am and who the Lord's created me to be. So well done. You guys knock it out oh, of the park. Thanks. How has um, editing and working with Fairly over the years impacted your mothering, especially as you raise daughters in today's world? What does that look like for you? I love this question. <laughs> it's never I've never been asked it. It's a fantastic question because it has made a big difference in my raising my daughters. I have three daughters now. And I think that one of the big areas is body image because I grew up not thinking much about my body image as a total blessing of being in the rural areas with not much TV use. And um, I had sisters or all sisters, three, three sisters. Um, and I didn't have many body comparison issues growing up. I didn't love having braces and acne in high school, but uh, it was an all girls school. and I didn't feel much concern about that. And um, it wasn't until college when I realized a lot of the self-consciousness about looks, you know, and dressing for guys' attention can lead to a sense of like, I'm never enough. The path is to be so the most attractive was a moving target and it would never satisfy. And I realized the dangers of low self-image uh, could lead to dangerous results for women, eating disorders, self-harm, high-risk behavior. Um, by the time I worked for Verily, I felt like wow, great. I can contribute to media that combats these problems. I'm so happy this exists now and you know, shows all the shapes and sizes of different women, never showcases unhealthy thinness, never alters models, bodies and Photoshop. Um, but when that played, I didn't you know, participate in the beauty and style sections actively, but in the culture section, I got to cover news stories that intersected with body image issues or share women's stories women who've had eating disorders sharing their stories. They didn't intend to do that. They fell into it after buying these images and, and, and absorbing these perceptions of how they should look. Um, and my when my daughter, Inez, um, she was growing up as I was working for Verily. Uh, and she, in fact, when we took some of our early photos, I was pregnant with her. And so as we celebrated our 10th anniversary, so did Inez turn <laughs> 10. <laughs> which is just mind blowing to look at her be like, wow, the magazine's this old. So, um, but when, we, when I was starting to become more aware of these body image issues, like we covered in 2016, Barbie, the company, Mattel started creating real world, kind of real body shaped woman feet that are flat, you know, all this stuff that we saw recently. Um, but it actually started happening in Barbie, like dolls. At the time that was a big story. And so I bought one for the first time in my life. <laughs> and then <clears throat> when the study revealed uh, a mother's view and treatment of her body greatly impacts how daughters will view and treat their bodies, I immediately began, you know, starting a habit of complimenting myself in the mirror in front of my daughters. I will also say that just some of the other ladies in the Verily team, like Janet Easter's philosophy of personal style, um, I started enjoying dressing myself in ways that I felt most myself. I loved, I loved doing it through thrifting. And to this day, I find it such a healthy and affordable way to express my creativity and artistic side, um, while also acknowledging my body shape changes over the years. Like it really has with the kids, you know, sometimes. I, so it's just been uh, just a fun uh, way to just go with it. And I can see my daughter expressing her, while well, she has a different style on her own, but she uh, seems to have the same enjoyment of expressing her unique self. Um, there's a couple other ways in more like like fringe ways. In my, I've written a lot on pornography after I had a journalism fellowship um, and in attending conferences on that, I learned how to prepare kids for the exposure to pornography, like books by Protect Young Minds that have age appropriate but 
um, information, good pictures, bad pictures, that greatly reduce kids' shame and secrecy and any compulsive habit forming if they have a safe conversation with their parents ahead of time. Um, and then also fertility awareness. My, um, I learned more about fertility awareness and teaching girls about their periods and healthy cycle health before, before it all happens so they can feel not sort of thrown off, but empowered about what their bodies can do. Um, throughout working at Verily, where we had uh, content on cycle health and our lifestyle and health section. And also when I was editing at Natural Womanhood over the years, I, without that time and learning more about it in my editing work, I wouldn't have had a clue how to approach my daughter with this. So I am very thankful for all these different experiences. I have felt really called to women's media in particular um, that is informed by values, but that is secular to reach the widest uh, swath of women, especially those who need it most. So so, uh, so that's just how I have felt the Lord call me in my work and just so happens to really have helped me in my motherhood too. Yes, yes. It's just integrated, right? Like you're having all these conversations as an editor and a writer and then to be able for that to impact the way that you mother is just incredible. And it's like to have a job and, and a magazine where that's such a good formation about those conversations versus having to sort through like, oh, but I don't want my daughter to think that about her body, even though that's the way we're having to write this article to get clicks. And so like just having that tension there, but instead just such an integrated way of having those conversations with your daughters. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. And as a side note, one of the cutest things she said to me, so um, that reminded me, like, yeah, this it does integrate in our conversations. Because we were in a line at CVS, and my son and daughter, um, nine and 10 at the time, were just like, hey, that's a bad picture. And there was a Sports Illustrated, you know, magazine. And there were other people in the line. And I was like, you know what, kids? You're right. That is a bad picture. And I just, like, put turned it over and or put something else in front of it. And I was like, oh, it's a shame that women, that, or it's a shame that magazines will publish that. And then in the car, my daughter Inez said, mom, you are so cool. You're like the rebels in Star Wars. You're fighting against those bad picture magazines by just making a better magazine. And I was like, oh, Jesus, thank you. This is adorable. Thing she said is like the best thing I've ever heard. That's amazing. And uh, of course, I didn't make this magazine myself, uh, but I felt like, you know what? She could see like, you know what? You don't like something in the world. Go do something. Yeah. It. And I'm so thankful for the ladies who started it and that and that we are and the ladies continuing to help us do something about it. Oh, that's incredible. That's like the best compliment you can get from a 10 year old. too. gosh, it's like knocked it out of the park. I'm going to hold up. Hold like on to that. <laughs> How can listeners connect with Verily? online? How can they read through all the archives and incredible work you do there? But also tell us how they can get a print copy of Verily. And you guys have a 10th anniversary issue that's printing this summer as well. So the best way to check us out is on our website, verilymag.com. That's V-E-R-I-L-Y for Verily and then mag, M-A-G.com. And we also, if you're just like ready and chomping at the bit to subscribe, just go to verilymag.shop and you'll see our options. We have a special quarterly plus a our 10th anniversary issue bundle. We also have single issues if you just want to try out the latest or certain issue. Um, we are sure happy to have your support because we are trying to get into um, women's hands. And, I'm sorry, we're trying to get into Barnes & Noble. We're trying to increase our subscriber numbers to get more um, more attention. We want to get in airports and hair salons, college campuses, everywhere women like to read. Um, and building these numbers of subscribers helps us to reach these goals. So subscribe for yourself get a gift subscription for those you think would enjoy it 
Um, tell your family members if you can't, you know, um, afford one right now, tell folks you want it for your, your birthday or Christmas or something. Like I said, we don't have tons of ads, so we aren't as cheap as others like Vogue, perhaps, or Cosmo, but your money supports healthy, positive women's media that is making an impact. Um, and then also don't hesitate, please come to verilymag.com. Cause like I said, we do have this print component, but we also are maintaining our online articles. We have fresh articles weekly and an email newsletter that our web managing editor Kelly has recently refreshed and is sending weekly article updates and other Verily news to our email subscribers. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, et cetera, X, what have you. <laughs> rebranded, <laughs> rebranded. <laughs> Mary Rose, I got one, one last question for you and you've been speaking into this this entire time and I, I'd love to hear you reflect on how you live out the feminine genius in your everyday life, especially as you're encouraging women to be less of who they should be and more of who they are. Yeah, I would say it really helps me to go to the poor Claire's Chapel. Um, I try to go every day in the early part of the day for 15 minutes to just be with my maker and have a keep get the perspective of of what I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> in every in every way <laughs> as a wife, as a mom, as a um, sister, as a um, writer, as an editor, and um, and friends. And actually, I, I do feel like I have three biological sisters I'm very blessed with. I have so many figurative sisters, like metaphorical sisters, so many good girlfriends I'm so blessed with. Um, I have, I feel like one time recently, a friend was telling me, you know, who's not Catholic and who's not married and who's not, um, maybe just was talking about how she might never be married because she doesn't view marriage even if she's you know feels you know has boyfriends has a is in a relationship right now but she says you know i don't think that i'll ever find someone who will complete me um or be the one person whom i feel the you know love forever from and i i really thought that was fascinating and we had a great conversation about our different views of 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 marriage but mine in, is really you know, it's not, I'm not relying on my husband for all the love. <laughs> like, I thank God <laughs> for all of us because I, you know, I rely on obviously our Lord the most, but I also have so many other people. He has provided so many people in my life who show me love, including many of my girlfriends and, um, and of course, um, my children, just everything, nature, all the things that I encounter throughout my day. Um, and I do really feel, you know, and Verily's covered this in the past. And again, it's influenced me um, to spend time with girlfriends. is really healthy for your mental health. And so I spend a lot of time with other ladies. I go on a, a woman's retreat. I try, I try to do that. I should do that yearly. I just got back into it post pandemic. Thank God. Um, but like, I, I also, um, I met a lot of friends in a woman's Bible study, um, but then I also just like try to get together one-on-one -on -one with a girlfriend at least once or twice a week, which might seem crazy uh, as a, it's actually funny because some people, some of them are single ladies and one of them from high school, I still have kept in touch with. And she's like, but you have like four kids. It's like, well, you know, yes. My husband also acknowledges it's, it's nice to, for you to go out and see a friend. And he also likes to do the same. And this is, this is again, why we are, why things are working out so well. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I do feel like, and not, and in addition, it also inspires me to hear a different woman, what they're encountering. And, and as a girlfriend, we can share that one-on-one -on -one in a unique way. And I could hear like what's on their minds, what's affecting them and their different life circumstances. And it also 
gives me story ideas like all the time. I can, and and also a lot of my friends have noticed I like I can hardly take off the editor cap ever. Like I'll be like that was great. Let's put it in writing. They'll be like I'm not a writer. I'll be like okay, I'll write it. You just said it. I remembered it. I'll type it and send it to you. You will make any adjustments that I missed, you know. So I basically I love to hear women's stories and that's like really I really also I'd love to hear women's stories so that we remind each other we're not alone and we are on this journey together and there are others who understand and um, there's beautiful things that we can do together. Especially post-pandemic. Gosh, I think that's something that we missed and was a wound that so many of us realized that wasn't, it was so much deeper than we realized. And just for in-person community and then how that impacts. I love too, like how you're talking about like, no, I sit down for coffee or get together with a girlfriend. And then that impacts the way that I write. And I think that's so beautiful to see how like in-person community is impacting online world. And, and too, vice versa for women who are reading your writing. But to see real, embodied, incarnate, and how that impacts an online world is just really beautiful. Beautiful. Well done, Mary Rose. This has been absolutely lovely. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show and thanks for sharing your story and thanks for all the work that you do at Verily. It's just, yes, like has impacted and shaped so much of, of who I am as a woman. And so thank you so much for all the good work that you do. Thank you, Chloe. And thanks to you too for your great work of providing this great media for women too. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with Mary Rose on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player for links to pick up a print copy of Verily Magazine to have on your coffee table to take with you to your next haircut. Let's get Verily in Barnes & Noble. You can also browse the Verily website. You can connect with Mary Rose online. And in the show notes, you're also going to find that link to Sacred Heart Tea Company, the sponsor for today's episode. Finally, you're going to find a link to sign up to my newsletter, Naptime Notes. So once a month, I share about the books that I'm reading, both to myself and my girls, some braggable thrift store finds. Mary Rose and I talked about a love of thrift stores. If you want to see some of my favorite finds, you can also read about updates on our adoption journey. Listen to the podcast that I'm checking out. Naptime Notes is always going to be free. But if you subscribe at just $5 a month, you get early and ad-free access to all the Letters to Women podcast episodes days and sometimes weeks before they go live. If you listen to the podcast and you love the conversations, the guests of the show, please leave a rating and review, especially if you're tuning in via iTunes or Spotify. And during the month of September, you can enter to win a signed copy of the Letters to Women book, which is this beautiful book that's full of 30 letters from women in different seasons of life. They're writing on the feminine genius and what it means in their daily life. So to be entered to win, you just have to leave a review of the Letters to Women podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and then send a screenshot of that review to me at letters to women at gmail.com and that'll enter you in for a signed copy and then I'll announce the winner on the show in October if you know someone who would love to listen in on this conversation with Mary Rose maybe it's a girlfriend who is absolutely sick of what Cosmo is throwing at her or your friend who is also sneakily turning around issues of Sports Illustrated as she's checking out at Target please send this episode her way don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes and that's all I have for today so until next time be not afraid